Welcome to today's episode of Juice and the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. And I am one of your hosts, Warwin Heller. Shorwin Keller joining us today. Um, yeah, welcome to the show, folks. It is uh, August 25th, 6 p.m. here on the East Coast. Uh, the Yankees have no game today, which means that there's nothing happening in baseball today that matters in the slightest because the Yankees are not on TV. But they do have an 11-game winning streak. And Corwin Heller, uh, how... Does that make you feel? Uh, well, having had to watch the Padres play baseball lately, um, go fuck yourself. Yeah, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Suck my balls. Suck, suck. My oh, balls. I was so much happier, you know, four months ago when the Padres were on top of the world and the Yankees were essentially a triple A team. Oh, how the turntables. Moving on. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's the quote, man. That's the quote. Oh, how the turntables. I, I, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, it feels as though the Yankees and Padres have had very inverse seasons of each other. Like the Padres acquired all these players, started off super hot, looked like they were going to, you know, burn down their division and ended up being more of a sub 500 times to 500 team throughout the second half of the season thus far, whereas the Yankees started off the season as a 500 team and then come trade line, acquired a bunch of players and have been burning down their division. They're now sitting just a, a mere four games back of the Rays for first in the division after at one point being 10 and a half games out uh, of the Red Sox. And now they're well past them. So it is, it has been quite quite different results from especially those two teams as of late but i gotta say man i a lot of us yankees fans myself former guests of the pod randy wilkins uh others like gary sanchez resurgence bandwagon and well i feel so ridiculous saying that that's what he's called on the internet so that's what we're going to call him here uh, have been saying for a while i'm not very public on twitter i i can't whine enough to be on Twitter consistently, but it's an underperforming team. It's not a bad team. And man, if there's anything I do love, it is sweet, sweet vindication, sweet, oh, yes. sweet vindication. I feel vindicated. Vindication. What's that from? I think Rick and Morty, the is vindicators. It? No, I don't. I that doesn't. I know that's an episode, but it doesn't sound right. I wouldn't. Di, I don't know. We have Google. Ah, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Ah, uh, yes, Holt. Captain Holt just screaming vindication. Yep, yep. Yes. I am yes. Captain Holt spiritually and in this moment. Um, because it is nice seeing people do what they do when they do it well. Uh, but if, obviously there's if, been this. What, what's up? If you had to assign me a character from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, who would it be? Um, mm, that's tough. 
probably um, Kira Sedwig. Who? That white lady that gets promoted ahead of Holt and that makes his life miserable. Oh, that leather-faced whore. Yes. Yeah, I think that's you. Is that his, like, arch nemesis? I suppose he did make her look bad in front of Derek Jeter. Yes, that is who I think of. Yes. Um, yeah, that's probably who I'd go with. What? I, I found your hat. <laughs> I am afraid. Um, for a gift idea, I have decided to get Joshua the single worst hat I can find on the new era website. Um, I think I will stick with the Yankees. I think that would be, if I got to a shitty hat of like the Padres, you would just never wear it. But if it's the Yankees, I know you would have no excuse to not wear it to a Yankee game at some point. And I know, I, I do wear hats I of other you teams. To wear this. I you know you do. And that's why I would so get you like though. a Padres hat. But like, this is, this is, the only no, time anyone has ever said anything to me about the team hat that I was wearing was when I was wearing a fucking Yankees hat. I routinely wear my uh, Toronto Blue Jays cap around, my uh, Baltimore Orioles cap around, uh, my Kansas City Royals cap, my uh, Arizona Diamondbacks cap. You have a Diamondbacks I, cap? I do. I love that hat purple with the the teal logo love that hat i feel like i have another oh my white Sox hat the only hat i've ever caught shit from wearing is my fucking yankees hat and i was walking into a store um you know like going over the crosswalk to like get into like i think it was like a walmart or some shit and some guy in a truck stops rolls down his window looks over at me and shouts suppose i was a mets fan <laughs> and I was so fucking confused, man. I don't know how how do you answer that? So I look over at him and I go, suppose you were. <laughs> and then he laughed and drove away. Oh my god, that's just so fucking funny. Oh, I'm not Supp- only my get here near me. That's so Supp- fucking funny. Suppose I was a Mets fan. I, uh, all right, I'm I'm mentally I'm there. It's not a huge what, stretch. What's the what's next here, bud? <laughs> was that like Jerry Costanza? Just George's like long lost brother. Honestly, also it was, happens to be named Jerry. <laughs> it, 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 was, it was like a Tony Soprano looking guy, just just like just driving driving by, man. Who was like? Oh my god! I, I let my feelings be hurt to this man. <laughs> I am disgusted that there was never a remake of the movie Twins with James Garlofini and um, Jason Alexander. It's not nearly as like, you know, size differential, uh, but that would have been fantastic. A sequel to Twins. Who would have thought? Not me. No, not 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 us, not us, man. We would never would have never would have gotten there. But yeah, that's the only time I've caught shit for wearing an opposing team hat. It was 
no, not even opposing. I mean, it, it's a home. It's a ho- one of the two home teams. Anyway, anyway, yeah. I get uh, shit from Ethan whenever I wear a pirate's hat. because It's like, you're not even a fan anymore. And it's like, well, baseball's got the best hats. Yeah. Baseball logos are so much more hat conducive than other sports logos are hat conducive. That's why I don't usually wear my Jets hats too much. Is this the logo doesn't look as nice as like the Kansas City Royals hat looks? I know. I even like I even like the Jets logo, but even like like the Lions logo, it's a it's a really nice logo. I don't think it looks as good in the hat as the Tigers logo. You know. Uh, very much agree. The Giants Giants logo is so not hat conducive. So not meant for a hat. No. Looks very off-putting on a hat. I think Steelers logo feels like it should look good on a hat, but it doesn't. Baseball logos and usually basketball logos, I think, are the two best hat logos. Because also hockey logos, I don't think, always work very well. Um, but baseball and basketball, I think, have... Because like I, when I see a Knicks hat, I go, yeah, like, yeah, that looks right. That looks pretty right. Same thing when I see um, a uh, uh, Lakers hat, I'm like, yeah, all right, that that looks that looks right. I don't know. Like, I don't think I feel that strongly about basketball logos and their quality on a baseball hat. Now, maybe maybe that's because I think walking around at any given moment, you see a significantly wider margin of baseball and basketball hats versus hockey and football hats. You know, like if you walk around. You know, not just, you know, like New York City or whatever, but, you know, anywhere on the outskirts of it, I think you're way more likely to see any baseball team has hat or most basketball teams hats than you are to see football hats and, and hockey hats. Mm-hmm. Like it just it just doesn't like at my gym, there was like two guys that wore hockey hats and I knew who they were only because they were the only two people I've ever seen wear hockey hats. There was Definitely. one guy I saw wearing a Winnipeg's Jets sweater one time i never saw him wear it again and i have never forgotten that man for it winnipeg jets really yeah, how, how did you find yourself here like like I, that's what threw me off i was like hmm. wh- why nothing okay. wrong with it nothing no, no i thought there's anything <laughs> wrong with that but it's just like how did you point a to point b <sighs> how did you either Managed to get here from Winnipeg because that seems like a huge jump. Uh, or B, fall in love with the Winnipeg Jets, who like never had outside of the recent Patrick Line, who's no longer even with that team. How did you even find yourself as a like being a Edmonton Oilers hat geographically super weird, culturally totally fucking get it, mm-hmm. totally fucking get it. that. That's the OG team. If we're talking about the great one. Makes total sense if I sure. see someone wearing a Win- uh, an Edmonton Oilers jersey or Absolutely. sweater or whatever. But the fucking Winnipeg Jets? I mean, the Calgary Flame makes more fucking sense. But anyway. Anyway. I want to see somebody rocking like a Pittsburgh Penguins Wayne Gretzky jersey. No connection whatsoever. None. Has no right to wear that. I just... Wishful thinking, maybe? Uh, or you could go, you could just get super salty with it and wear like a Rangers Martin Brodeur jersey. <laughs> Let's just make people mad today. I want to wear, I want to get that's an <laughs> excellent. I want to, I now want to get you a New York Yankees like David Ortiz jersey. Well, it'd be tough with the Yankees because there's no name on the back. And if you wear your name on the back, oh, it's weird. True. Yeah. yeah. I'll get you a Jets jersey with Brady on the back. 
I would hate it so much. Oh, that would have been a really good present if I was richer and I could afford a custom jersey. <laughs> I would hate that. So- all right, but anyway, all right, all right. We can't keep doing this. We gotta, we gotta get back. Um, Gosh, we can though. So, so in terms of the actual Yankees run, it's tough to to really. I want to sit here and say that the Yankees eleven game run means a lot, and it's tough because. It, it's like getting a hit streak. Obviously, if you can string together 15 games of all getting a hit in every game, there is a surface level, an intrinsic level of skill that you have that has allowed you to get these hits regardless of the distribution of them. And you can say it's something within you or just, you know, there's, all cylinders firing on the same at the same time that has allowed you to string these things together to make something um, meaningful and more of a social setting or conversational setting than a real way. And that's, I think how I kind of feel about win streaks. Like, is there a difference in 15 games between going 11 and four with an 11 game win streak versus going 11 and four with, you know, a couple big runs and like the four losses more evenly distributed. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I'm also I, think, saying. I think the Dodgers are in the same, but in the last 12 games, they have 11 wins, but they had like a loss somewhere in the middle there. I, uh, I think mm-hmm. they win like nine and, and Oh, and then a loss and then like two wins, some shit like that. And the Yankees are also 11 and one in their 12 games that it's just that the last game, the the first game of this, uh, just before the streak was the L instead of somewhere in the middle, you know, like mm-hmm. it, Mm-hmm. I don't know how do how do how do how do win streaks make you feel, Corwin? Um, <laughs> I, I know. Yeah, fuck off. I'm used to it. Um, it's one of those things where, like, it, when it's happening to my team, and you're in the middle of it, you feel invincible. The Steelers went what, like, thirteen and 11 and 0 two years ago. They sucked. They were not a good baseball. They were not a good baseball team, but more importantly, they were not a good football team. Uh, At the same time, I thought that was going to last forever. I knew they were a bad team, but the streak makes you think differently. It changes your mindset. Um, Obviously, in football, it's a little different because there's 16 games. It's a lot more of a grinding out a victory where baseball it's you got 162 you're pretty much just essentially rolling dice any given outcome at a high enough level um honestly though 11 game win streak for the yankees is enough of a kick in the ass for the team itself than anything that would make a difference as you know record results yeah, that, that is probably one of the biggest aspects of it that I think you could say actually means something tangible is that it could be a, a signal to the players. Like, you know, especially since they acquired several guys at the trade deadline. So not it's not just the team that it was two months ago. It's now a, a, the team that it was two months ago with a roster churn in there too. You've got a new first baseman slash DH. You've got a new outfielder. 
Um, you've got another new, you got a new starting pitcher, a new bullpen. Like there's a bunch of new guys here and it could be a, a thing that kind of congeals everybody and you know, signals to everybody. Like, look, we were basically a 500 team before this, but now we're the team that we can, we can win 11 games in the playoffs. We win the fucking world series, you know, like mm-hmm. damn near literally. So I, it, it, it could be, like you said, kind of a, a fire under the ass of, of the, um, of the players or you know, some type of sign that says we, we, we got this, we can do it. We're sexy. Do you feel like you, you got this? Well, and I guess that raises the, the brings us to the next point of, you know, like looking at standings and trying to figure out how you feel going throughout the rest of the season. And speaking specifically of, in terms of the Yankees, I at no point this year really feared Boston. Obviously it was really shit that we were losing to them so much, like mm-hmm. so densely in the beginning of the year. We took us like nine games against them to collect our first win. Like that just is rough, but their, their pitching was a sham. It was a lie from the beginning. And I, I knew it again, full vindication here. And their batting, like we've been saying for the past, like three seasons is the, the first three or four, three to five guys, and then everyone else is not just bad, they're, they're, they're slop. So, and that, that, that's been their problem. Whereas, you know, the Yankees were a bunch of really, really solid ball players that were just underperforming, and a lot of their underperformance wasn't being picked up by somebody else the way that it had been years past. So, I do not fear Boston. I would honestly, at this point, if you told me Boston missed the playoffs to the Mariners, I don't think I'd be surprised, which is a wild sentence. Uh, especially considering the history of the Mariners, the recent history of the Red Sox and where we were as a society like two months ago. But if you told me, Josh, we peeked into the future. It's, it's, it's super sexy. It's the second time I said sexy in the last five minutes. Um, and the, and, and the, the Mariners are going to beat out the Red Sox for a playoff berth. I would go, yeah, that sounds right. Um, Granted, the oh, actually, shit, I was gonna say the Mariners are like six games back. No, they are not. They are three games back of the Red Sox. They're one game behind Oakland. <laughs> I want them to make the playoffs so fucking bad. Granted, they would probably end up facing the Yankees in the wild card game at this point in time. So I'd obviously be rooting against them for that. But fuck, that'd be so much fun. Oh, America's team. I want that so bad. America's oh, team. So bad. But yeah, I mean. Toronto knocking on the door a little bit less, five and a half games back. Not that that's insurmountable, but it's it just there's two other teams ahead of them, and uh, that's that's a lot. But uh, the Oakland, the Oakland, Oakland, two games back of the Sox. Seattle, three games back of the Sox. Seattle rolling right out seven and three in their last ten. Fuck. Whereas Oakland is two and eight. God damn. Um, so some real fucking signs of life. So anyway, all that to say, I do not fear the Red Sox. Uh, I think though, at this point, the Blue Jays probably just have too much ground to make up the nine games back of the second wildcard spot that they're not, that puts them what 11 and a half games back of us, I guess it's, it's, it's unrealistic. Don't worry about it. The Rays, that's the real question. And with how hot the Yankees have been winning, you know, 11 of their last 11, they still have only gained, I think it's like two and a half games on the on the race, and that is not a lot uh, over the course of an eleven game win streak. And that's because the Rays are fucking rolling right now. And at this point, 
it is a little bit living and dying by every loss. This is the point in the season where the type of reactions that your least favorite baseball fan has in like April uh, becomes your normal reaction when you play uh, every day, because at this point, granted, there's still over a month left and has so much time, but it's going to, you know, it, it, you, you only have so many wins left to make up ground and you only have so many losses that you can take before you start to see your ability to make up that ground disappear because you lost a weird early September game to like Texas that you just did, shouldn't have lost and it got away from you somehow. And now that didn't, and the Rays won that day and fuck man. Now, now it's, now it's not four games back. It's five, it, that type of shit. Um, but I, I, I would think on paper this Yankees team is still a fuck ton better than that fucking Rays team. I think you're muted. I am. Uh, I think the talent has always been there for the Yankees. I mean, it's the same talent that we kind of saw coming into the season. It's really always been just a, man, y'all have been underperforming mightily. And you're Pitching has been very hurt, and obviously that plays a big part of it. It's not just mojo. It's also health. Who would have thought? But now that you guys are playing better and coming back, getting healthier, the big thing for me is just the fact that you've shown yourself that you're capable of going on this kind of streak. You're capable of winning games, beating good teams. You have that mojo. You have that confidence. There's really all you need right there to put yourself on a run. And I know the talent on the field for the Yankees can beat the Red Sox. I know the talent on the field can beat the Rays, can beat the Blue Jays, can beat any of the wild card teams. It's just, do they have that mojo, that X factor, that confidence to go out and actually do it? And up until now, the answer was a resounding no. Now it's a, yeah, I think, I think they could. I think they could. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's also showing another overall team performance. We look at uh, since the beginning of August, and I'm using August one because that is our, you know, our really first week post trade deadline ish. Um, I can use as an example or use a, for this purpose. Anyway, I'm kind of mumbling while I do other things. <laughs> the Yankees have the third best team ERA in all of baseball and the best team ERA in the American League with Yankees pitching having amassed four wins above replacement in just the month of August so far with a couple of games still left to go, only behind the Dodgers with the best ERA in baseball in that time span, 2.27. Granted, They've played the Mets a whole bunch, but still. Uh, and same thing actually with the Giants. <laughs> uh, 2.78 team ERA, a 0.01 point ERA better than the Yankees. Um, both of them also have a higher war than the Yankees at this point in time, but who gives a fuck about that? Uh, so clearly Yankees pitching staff, despite being ravaged over the course of uh, August at several points, Still missing the likes of Luis Severino and Corey Kluber, losing Garrett Cole for significant portions of time, 
um, Aroldis Chapman for a significant portion of time, Zach Britton for a significant portion of time, basically uh, everybody and your mother. But they've still managed to scratch mm. together their their wins and getting really gutsy performances out of a lot of dudes. Although Aroldis Chapman should probably no longer be the closer to this team. I'm so sick of it. He makes me want to die. Jonathan Lozaga. Jonathan Loisega is the man that I look up to <laughs> being one day. I love Johnny isn't, Lasagna. Isn't he younger than you? I don't want to look it up to find out. I'm genuinely afraid of what that answer is. Now, dude, Loisega has been great. He got, I remember he got called up. I remember his first game pitching. I want to say I was there. On November 2nd, he will turn 27 years old. We're the same age. Oh, that sucks. I hate Wait, You're that. turning 27? Yeah. Holy shit, you're old. Yeah, fuck you too, buddy. Um, hold when on. You start I collecting know? social security. Fuck. Next week. Yeah. First check's already in the mail. <laughs> hold on. Now that I said this out loud, I... I I can't help but wonder if I was at the first game Jonathan Luizica pitched as a starter. I don't know. I don't know how I would be of any help to you to determine this, so I'm just going to let you do your thing. I'm just going to sit here with a talk. So his first, yard. his first game was on June 15th against the Rays. He got the win. I want to say I was there. I don't remember. Fuck, I don't. Because I was at that race series for one of those games. No, I wasn't. I was at the June 17th game, I believe. Because I think that was Old Timers Day and CC pitched. I think CC like had a great outing, but got the loss because the Yankees didn't pick him up. This doesn't matter. This doesn't matter at all. But yeah, Aroldis Chavin should stop being the closer. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, also, in this time frame, the let's look at the rest of the ALEs real quick. The Rays are 17th in ball with a 4.35 ERA. That's not great. Uh, the Red Sox are 22nd in baseball with a 4.83 ERA. Oh, hey, look who they're tied with. The Padres, also 21st in baseball. The Padres uh, pitching staff has a worse ERA in the month of August than the fucking Mets. That's wild. The Padres have a worse uh, worse pitching ERA, team pitching ERA in the month of August than the Texas Rangers. Worse ERA than the Kansas City Royals. A worse ERA than the Detroit Tigers. A worse ERA than the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. How do they do it? I w- was very hopeful when we signed Jake Arietta off waivers. Because oh, yeah, I thought to myself, this man is actually going to help our starting rotation. Don't know why you would have thought that. <laughs> no, Josh, it still holds true. If he was healthy, he would still be helping our rotation. It's a disaster. The but big, hey, the biggest move. The bad man is gone. This is the, big, the biggest move is really firing Larry Rothschild. Yeah. Who seems like a very <laughs> nice man, but he should probably retire. There were some people on Twitter and on Reddit basically saying, oh, yeah, but Rothschild didn't, you know, you know, he didn't 
injure all of those pitchers and oh you guys were doing fine before the all-star break oh you gonna take all the credit away from him for that and it's like yeah like those guys came into the season healthy and were pitching all really well and then the longer into the season you get the longer you have spending time with that pitching coach and the longer his decisions affect the long-term impact of your game and so fucking it nose bombed dive bombed fuck yeah also you know part of the the whole uh, uh analytics that people don't like is using very complex cameras to show pitchers what they're doing and to help them refine their delivery on certain pitches or overall to help them avoid injuries it's a huge part of modern day uh pitch coaching is using that type of data and information and technology to help pitchers not get hurt. But anyway, that's not yeah. Larry's game. That's not Larry's game. So that's that. Oh, also Baltimore has the worst ERA in all of baseball in the month of August. Would you like to guess what it is? No. It's 8.09. As a team, not like a guy went out there and just sucked it up for the month of August. 8.09 as a team. How? Not even who. I don't care about who. How? I, dude, like Chicago Cubs, second worst ERA in baseball in the month of August. 6.84. That's over a run better. And then the Marlins, third worst ERA in all of baseball in the month of August, six flat. That's two runs better than the Orioles, man. Wow. Like, I know there's been a lot of talk on Twitter about, like, someone needs to fucking stop the Orioles from continuing this goddamn bullshit. And I just I haven't really been paying attention to them enough to really understand what that entailed. But holy shit, this is ugly. So I have the the Orioles staff in front of me and I have it set for the month of August. And we'll look at who pitched the most innings. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay, so the guy who's thrown the most. Oh, my God. Innings for the Orioles in the month of August was Spencer Watkins. Twenty one and two thirds innings. I don't know who that is. He's a young guy. It's his first. I think it's his first season up in the majors. He just got called up a handful months ago. Um, Okay. He has the most innings pitched for the Orioles. And I know that you have to let these guys kind of ride it out for a little bit while they get used to being up in the majors. But you know what his ERA is? Most innings pitched for the Orioles this month. His ERA is 10.8. 10.8. You want, you want that most, number to be high, right? He That's has the, the goal. most innings pitched on the team. Oh, my God. Second is John Means. His ERA is 6.52 in the month. And then Matt Harvey's got the third most innings pitched on the team. His ERA is 6.63. Dude, so out of out of the top five pitchers for innings pitched in the month of August for the Orioles, their ERAs are 10.8, 6.52, 6.63, 6.87, and 7.04. 
Then you get Marcus Diplin, who's quietly having an amazing month with his ERA of 0.73. And then it goes right back into being a disaster with Cesar Valdez at 7.27. Oof. Oh, my God. I want you to guess. I, I know that we do this all the time, and that doesn't mean anything, and it, but it's just for entertainment. But I need you to guess what Adam Plutko's ERA is for the month of August. Granted, granted, four and a third innings. I know, but still. If you made me guess without the context of the conversation we're in, I would have said like a four or five. In the context of this who, conversation? Without the context of this conversation. Yeah, no, give me give me uh, guess just, in the context oh, of this conversation. I can't. Now. I can't. No number I give will will be anywhere close and or provide satisfaction. It is just a touch, just a touch below 25. I know there's a lot of dead air there, but I just don't have the words to fill it. I mean, because that's that's just an astonishing number to have to hear. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That just does not make any sort of sense. And I just. I, yeah, let's let's see if I can find some something that looks like his pitching line here. Um, yes, yeah, so he's oh my god, he's faced 25 batters. He has allowed 12 earned runs on nine hits and four walks. Four home runs, no hit batters, five strikeouts. Holy fuck. Dude, uh, dude. So he has faced, hold on. So he's faced 25 batters. That's fucking nuts. First of all, in four and two thirds innings. So let's divide that by 4.67. It means he's faced five batters per inning. Oh man, that's not great. It's not nope. awful, but it's not great. But Wow. Wow. So he's he's his his whip in the month of August. I'm not looking at it, but his whip is is over 500. Or I mean, um, uh, wait, what walks, hits, his innings, pitch? Oh, so actually, I should be able to do that. Um, so uh, let's see. Or his, I mean, I meant his on base against is what I was thinking uh, in my head. That's over 500. Um, so walks and hits is uh is fucking <laughs> 13. Divided by innings pitched, which is 4.1. That's a 3.17 whip. <laughs> That's not good. It's a really good ERA. Oh, That's not even a really man. good ERA. That's a pretty good ERA. So bad. All right, again, this is not what we were talking about. Fuck. All right. So, but looking at hitting, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays currently have the best WRC plus in baseball in the month of August, 124. Followed by the Boston Red Sox with the second best WRC plus in all of baseball at 119. The Yankees are seventh in ball with a 112 WRC plus. Uh, Toronto, shockingly, is actually outside the top 10 at 14th in ball at a 103 WRC plus. And then barely relevant Baltimore is 19th with a 94 WRC plus. So obviously, the Yankees are top of the class in terms of pitching and 
doing very well offensively, whereas, but being outpaced by their opponents. However, considering the fact that their opponent's pitching is doing so much worse, and that's probably what's going to end up mattering more down the stretch, you'd have to say you like the Yankees' chances. Yeah. I, I mean, it's God. a lot tough. It's a lot tougher to win a bunch of games seven to five than it is four to three. You're you. It's it's a lot tougher to score seven runs a game than it is even just going down to to four. And so, if you're going to have to bank on having to do one of them, you'd probably rather have to bank on scoring just four runs a game and having a pitching staff that you can bank on allowing less than four. And so far, that's been the Yankees' pitching staff's bag for the month of August. Well, I can't, and this is why I just can't get behind expansion conversations. Because why would you want to bring more pitchers into the fold, more worse pitchers into the fold? Why? It's so <sighs> it's so hard already. Because I rap about philosophy and me and my nana drinking a cup of tea. We cannot Ain't rhetorically no ask the question why on this podcast though. That will come up. No, it's it's led down a rabbit hole. Every, Every single time. time. So I, I would say at, at this point, you've got you've got to be vi- uh, scared if you're a Rays fan and you've got to be pretty fucking pessimistic if you're a Red Sox fan. Obviously, I'm making it sound as though the Red Sox are, you know, DOA in terms of their chances of making it to the playoffs. And uh, yeah, I'm here saying that they, they're absolutely not going to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I am. I'm willing to wager absolutely nothing on that because I'm a wimp um, at my core. You know where it counts, See, but senior. but uh, yeah, I would I would hang my hat that they're probably more likely to get caught by the other teams that play a lot worse competition. Because if you're thinking about just from a, who you have left to play in your division type of way, uh, I mean the uh, the AL fucking West, goddamn. Uh, you know, if you're the Mariners, you get to play the the Rangers and and you know try to split your games against the the. Uh, A's and, and vice versa for those two organizations. And plus you get the angels who are just never good enough to really pose any serious threat at any given moment. Whereas if you're the Red Sox, you've got the Rays, the Yankees and the, the Blue Jays who are tough and you maybe get the chance to feast on the Orioles one more time if you're lucky, but the rest of it's, you know, it's slim pickings in terms of where you can pick up some readily available W's. So I, I would think that the Red Sox have the harder road to, to, to plow from here on forward, but we'll see. Uh, what do you say? We segue this into a conversation that we tried to have before the Reds officially passed the Padres in the standings. And we will now have to have since uh, after or while the Reds have officially passed the. Uh, oh, well, of the. Um, past the Padres in the standings. Sorry, I got a, a text and like forgot how to function for a moment so as it stands right now oh, i'm sorry did you get something and oh my god i can't even make fun of you for fucking up because i just fuck up oh god my brain is bad so we can't do this reds, after work the cincinnati <laughs> reds have been on the outside looking in of the playoffs basically all season and when we did our mid-season conversation about the where the standings had i'm pretty sure i was rather dismissive of the reds I think I was surprised by their record when I saw it, but didn't think that they really had much of a shot and basically 
put this division or the, the wild card standings as some combination of, you know, the Giants, Dodgers, and Padres. I'm, I'm pretty sure is how I characterized it. Well, the Reds were listening, and the Reds said, fuck you. And they've been hot, man. Joey Votto has decided, I want to play baseball forever. And we all have said, yes, you can. We would like that very much. And he said, good, here I go. And has hit, I think, 12, 13 home runs since the All-Star break. I'll check on that in a minute. The pitching staff has been doing what the pitching staff has honestly been doing for a while, which has been very either good to very good. And they're, they're, they're collecting their wins where they can, especially in a relatively weak division, especially with the Cubs selling, the Pirates never being good. And um, who's that other team? Oh, the Cardinals being. So the Reds have managed to climb their way up to a 69 and 58 record, which puts them in the wild card spot, the second wild card spot, one game ahead of the 68 and 59 Padres. So Corwin, first reaction, how do you feel about this from a Padres perspective? Yo, fuck y'all. Uh, I can't be too upset because, boy, it's just it's that kind of year for the Padres. Um, it's sad, but hey, maybe we'll get some good baseball in the playoffs because the Padres sure ain't going to bring it. So obviously there's a perception just to keep this on the, the Padres side of things for a little bit. There's a perception because the Padres went so all in on trades and doling out money in this past off season that them not making the playoffs would be a large issue. Do you see it that way? Can you please repeat what you just said? You are a little bitch. I am. I'm a massive bitch. Don't even give me that flattery. There is a perception that because the Padres went all in this past offseason on trades and uh, dishing out big contracts, that if they don't make the playoffs this season, it's a failure. Is that your view as well? Uh, is it a failure that they missed the playoffs? Yes, absolutely. Is it devastating? No, because we really don't have any big free agents next year. And it's going to be the same team coming back, plus healthy pitchers and a new pitching coach. So that's all that matters. Um, so the window's not shut. So I'm not saying it's a complete disaster, but yes, missing the playoffs after investing they ha- the way they did for this season is undoubtedly, undoubtedly a failure. Yeah, I I think I would agree. Obviously, I think any team that's primed to compete and doesn't make the playoffs is, in a very literal sense, a failure. I, I mean, I don't know how else you would characterize it, but I also don't think it's necessarily the end-all, be-all measure of success. Because if we think about – and this is partly me enjoying constantly being a, a contrarian in some aspect and part <gasps> me kind what? of – kind of, you know, rooting for the Padres a little bit and liking being the Padres. Um, I like what the Padres are doing. You know, they play in probably the hardest division in baseball. And it, it, it presents you a big challenge. You, you, you can't readily win your division like you could in the NL East and, well, also kind of the NL Central. Not quite this season with the 
Brewers being so ridiculous, but you'd still have a much easier inroad because there's fewer bad teams. Granted, the Rockies and Diamondbacks are both horrible, but the Dodgers and Giants are also phenomenal, whereas those two phenomenal teams just don't really exist in the Central. You have two good teams that I would be hard-pressed to call them those two phenomenal teams, the way that the Giants and the Dodgers are. And this year, the Giants are doing some shit I don't think anybody else expected. And you might say to yourself, well, that happens. But at the same time, you you partly build your team based on what your division is going to do. And if your division, if one of the teams in your division just goes, hey, fuck you, here I am today. Well, it's kind of tough to build a, a season strategy around that. And that's not to say as a, hard, a big excuse for you to, you know, throw up your hands and go, well, we couldn't have done anything. But it's understandable where you would have lost, you know, three more games than you may have otherwise. And if you miss the division by that much, it goes, Oh, well, there you go. And this is not a huge, like you just said, this is team's going to be back next year. There are improvements to be made. that I think anyone would assume would be made. There are adjustments just by sheer force of the fact that this team will be together for an additional season. So you might see some guys adapt better to their roles Mike Clevenger should be back next year. Uh, Blake Snell might figure out how to play better next year. <laughs> like, there's other things. I'm very to confident in Blake Snell figuring his shit out. I actually would be pretty confident about that, too. I, I know there's a lot of disdain for Blake Snell today because of the pumpkin he turned into in San Diego, but you don't win a Cy Young without being able to make adjustments. And I would imagine yeah. he's going to have that in him somewhere. You don't carry a sub two ERA for an entire season without knowing how to maintain a high level and make the changes to keep yourself at that high level. Oh, I just looked right in the sun. It was a mistake. <laughs> oh God. Dick. Piece of <laughs> shit. Um, it's like, it's, it's, it's so bright on my face anyway. Um, yeah, I, Look, man, if you're a Padres fan, it fucking sucks. Obviously, you know, they still have time to, to, to do it. Like, you know, the season is not over. They got a month left in their game back. But it's, an, it's such an interesting position from a fan perspective because it's not it's it is also not like like when the Yankees were mediocre in the start of the season where there are people saying tear it down because not that the Yankees would, but there are other teams that certainly would have used that excuse to do that, to, you know, mm-hmm trade away some guys and bolster up the farm team and, you know, do what, I don't know, the Cubs just fucking did. Whereas, you know, the Padres aren't even really in that position. Their team is pretty fucking young and their big contracts really aren't awful. And they could have probably afford to keep doing more in tune-up areas with, you know, bringing in some more, uh, I don't know, relief pitchers or even some back-end starters. So the idea that, like, it's it's not a one-year playoff window for them. It's not even a two-year playoff window. The, the Padres' playoff window conceivably is open for a while. And if this is a tough learning lesson for a team that is having its first year to viably compete in a 162-game season since they were – since they did make the playoffs last year in a Mickey Mouse season, you cannot count that shit. Those guys never fucking did it. With a whole 162 game season, that shit's a marathon. It's a whole different fucking ball game, man. Anybody can had achieve success in a Mickey Mouse season like that. Anybody, anybody. I love the, I love the term Mickey Mouse season. Oh, 
Yeah, man. It, and it, honestly, it's more impressive that the Padres have had flashes or certain parts of their team look as amazing as they did for this entire, like the fact that Fernando Tatis Jr. didn't have a step back the way like Vlad Guerrero did his sophomore year is mm-hmm. such a fucking win for the Padres. Like, oh, yeah. oh my God, it's such a win. And, the, and there's so much positive for the season. I think you still got to feel good about next year, but I mean, we're coming into next season with the NL MVP in Fernando Tatis. And as much as the pitching has just completely cratered this year, you're still going to have you Darvish, Blake Snell, Joe Musgrove, Mike Clevenger, Clevenger, Dinelson Lamette. We still have Mackenzie Gore. Yeah. We had, we're going to have Ryan Weathers hopefully figuring his shit out after some time away from our boy, the pitching coach. It, it'll get there. I'm very, very confident for next year. If you had to uh, pick one of the upcoming free agent starting pitchers to sign, I'm going to look up to give you an actual list. Please do, because I don't know them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was going to, because who would you pick? Because it obviously, and I feel like I say obviously to lead into a lot of thoughts, but oh well. Obviously. Obviously. Uh, obviously. You would you would say, well, you know, if everyone's healthy, we have a lot of starting pitching, so maybe we don't need more starting pitching. But Not the case, what, as we've proven year after year. And I was going to say, I think that's what most teams who are trying to compete also prove year after year. Look what's happening to the Mets, to the Yankees, to the Dodgers, to the Padres. Remember when the Dodgers had the deepest uh, pitching staff in all of baseball? Oh, right. And then everyone and everyone they hang out with got hurt. Yeah, I remember. (laughs) Just a big old group of me and the boys all getting Tommy John. All right, here we go. Starting pitchers uh, up for grabs in 2022. Zach Greinke. Ooh, wow. Uh, Justin Verlander, Clayton Kershaw, Max Scherzer, a bunch of guys that aren't hitting free agency for real. Uh, Johnny Cueto, 36. Marcus Stroman, really? Okay. Uh, Kevin Gaussman, Charlie Morton. Uh, You say Kikuchi, but this looks like he's probably just a... uh, Restricted free agent. So that's probably not going to, he's probably not going to actually hit free agency. Alex Cobb, Danny Duffy, Corey Kluber, Drew Smiley, Michael Pineda, Noah Syndergaard. And again, I, I'm not confident that happens. Zach Davies, James Paxton, Dylan Bundy, Eduardo Rodriguez, Robbie Ray. Oh, yeah, he's, he's going to get paid. Um, Scott Casimir, Jose Quintana, Jay Hamp. Adam Wainwright, Jordan Lyles, Andrew Heaney, Chris Archer, John Gray, Anthony Descalfani, Stephen Mass. Yeah, get me fucking Chris Archer back on my team. Miss that guy. Yeah, I mean, the list is just going to get worse from here on. Carlos Rodon? Yeah, I doubt he hits free agency either. Uh, I don't know. Do any of the names I read off sound appealing? Yes and no. I mean, like... Yeah, I'd love to have Max Scherzer on the Padres, but... Well, yeah, yeah. We also have to look at the cost of what it's going to take to acquire any of them. Well, these are free agents, so just just money. Right, but the Padres don't really have a ton of money. Um, 
honestly, bringing Zach Davies back on a small contract would probably be the smartest choice. I mean, obviously, if we could have a Justin Verlander, Clayton Kershaw, Max Scherzer, you know, would be awesome. Marcus Stroman, I think, would fit the team super well. Um, you say Kikuchi, I just would enjoy having on the team, even Kevin Gaussman. There's a lot of guys I would want. I just don't think any of them are genuinely realistic outside of Davies, and that would only be to, hey, remember how much you enjoyed playing in San Diego? Come on back. Yeah, I was on, I was I was also thinking maybe maybe Alex Cobb could be an interesting yeah. back end of the rotation guy. He hasn't I mean he's he's having the best season he's had since 2017 so far this year. Seven three record, which means whatever it means, but that three point eight two ERA seventy seven innings pitch, so he'll probably probably get near a hundred. I'm not sure he's gonna break it. Um eighty four strikeouts. Like this is this is a very tidy season for him, all things considered. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I just, I just don't see that signing happening. How much money do you think the uh, Padres have committed to 2022 payroll? Oh, so much. Um, I don't this is even a know weird how to top that. five. This is a very weird top five of teams. Team payroll. Yeah, I couldn't so even tell you. Padres have the most. Uh, 157 million. So they're quite shy of the luxury tax threshold, if that's one of their concerns. But again, I think we looked at this last time, and that doesn't include a lot of the players who are still in arbitration because yep. those figures haven't been figured out yet. So let's just assume it's, I don't know, uh, $30 million higher for the shits of it. So they're probably sitting somewhere around 190 million. Um, then number two, I never would have guessed it's the Phillies, 153 million. Then the Yankees also at 153 million, just a little bit less. Then the Dodgers, 150 million. Then the Red Sox at 146. Hmm. It's a weird top five. That is a weird top five. Huh. I never would have guessed uh, they'd be in there. Well, it's also interesting that the Reds are in the top 10 next season. At 10, $106 million committed to payroll next season. But yeah. Uh, but anyway, all this to actually let's loop back around to the Reds perspective on things in the month of, of August, Cincinnati Reds have the 13th best ERA in all of baseball, a 3.86 team ERA and the third best WRC plus in the fucking game. 117 just behind Boston at number two and Oakland at number four. So their team is pitching rather well. You know, you see, you see middle of the pack, but you see that 3.86, 3.86 is a pretty nice ERA. It's not, you know, lights out, but it keeps you in games. And that's all their offense needs because their offense is mashing. They're walking just about 10% of the time. Um, and they're, they're, they're slugging 494 in the month. That is the highest in all of baseball. So they're getting on base and then just wrecking shit, man. Good on them. Hmm. Right? Oh, you love to yeah. see it, especially in that band box. I don't even care what team it is. If it's really just honest to God, good baseball, what more can you want? And you know what else is interesting? They are the only team in the top five for WRC Plus in the month of August to also post a positive 
uh, defensive rating. I don't know what, what it's just his offense and defense here. I'm, I'm not sure if that means D war or uh, it doesn't look like it. Cause that offense is 26.3. I think it might be runs created or runs prevented. Um, there's the only one that's positive defensive run saved is what I'm going to assume that is oh. defensive runs avoided some shit like that. 4.1 Rays are at negative 2.3 Boston's at negative 3.8 Oakland's at negative 1.6 Houston's only at negative 0.5 very narrowly negative. Um, but I mean, Cincinnati's playing some tight ass defense too. I mean, they're, their team's shaving up real nice for a playoff push. How do you think if the Reds actually made it to the postseason? You know, they'd make it in as the as the uh, fifth seed. I don't remember how many teams there were in the division. They're in the playoffs, which means that they would. Well, actually, I guess first they'd have to play their one game playoff against the, the Dodgers. Who do you think wins that? That'd game? go well. Uh, the Dodgers. I mean, yeah, Sonny Walker Gray. Bueller's I just, just having a fucking ridiculous season. Yeah, I mean, who are you going to throw out against them? Sonny Gray. Wade, Wade Miley, Miley, honestly, probably. Luis Castillo. Like, could you no. imagine? Could you imagine the uproar if Wade Miley outdueled Walker Bueller in a wild card game? That was way too many W's. I someone needs to change their name. But dude, could you? What would your honest to god reaction be if Wade Miley threw like a complete game against the Dodgers with Bueller going like only six? When was the last time someone threw two no hitters in a season? Uh, Wade Miley this fucking year, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Throw that out there. I'm saying I talked a lot of shit about Wade Miley throwing a no hitter. I might have to eat my words if he throws two, (laughs) especially to knock the Dodgers out of the playoffs. I'd buy a Wade Miley jersey. That's what I'm trying to say. I'd buy Wade Miley jersey, absolutely. I don't know what my reaction... Because, like, dude, I have such a clear memory of Wade Miley on the Orioles sucking dick. And when he went to... It doesn't matter the team. He's always just sucked dick. But, like, especially with the Orioles. Like, he was bad on the Orioles. I actually just pulled up a stats page to make sure I wasn't, like, crazy. And in 2016, when he got traded to the Orioles, he he posted a 6.17 ERA with them awful and then the next year was his only full season with the orioles and he posted a 5.61 era with them which is also awful then he goes to milwaukee cuts that era fucking in half 2.57 goes to houston keeps it rolling higher era 3.98 that's still pretty fucking tidy has a rough season because he only had um what two games four four games yeah, he actually started in Cincinnati his first season there. I think he was hurt most of the season. Um, yeah, only 14 innings, four games, a 5.65 ERA. And then comes out the gate this year, 2.88 ERA. He has been – ever since he left Baltimore, he's been like, yeah, I knew how to pitch the whole time. I just didn't want to be there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, I totally forgot good. he was in Houston. <laughs> right. Yeah, me too. But man, I if Wade Miley completely ass fucked the Dodgers out of the playoffs, I well, not only would that be just amazing, but I think you'd also have to like the Reds' chances because if you look at the other teams they have after that, you would so they would end up probably playing San Francisco after that because they'd be the one seed, and Atlanta would play Milwaukee. 
So who cares what happens with that? Probably a Milwaukee win. And if, uh, I mean, it'd be a tough road. Obviously, San Francisco is a really, really good team. But, I mean, you're a good slugging team. Got halfway decent pitching. I don't know. I mean, they might have an inroad. I might just be convincing myself of it, but I want it to happen now. Oh, God, Reds. Let's go. Let's get Votto that ring this season, man. Let's get Votto that fucking ring this season. I'm jacked up on it. If the Padres miss the playoffs or get knocked out of the playoffs, I'll go Reds. I'll go Reds hardcore. Unless the Mariners make it. Uh, you can root for both AL and L. Yeah, touche. Hell yes. Could you imagine with all that's happened this year with the big market teams? If the World Series ended up being Mariners, Mariners, Reds. I want it and so bad. We come to you live from Cincinnati, Ohio. At <laughs> the World Series. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> People keep offering that. a skyline chili. We have yet to see a skyline here in this flat ass nothing town. <laughs> I fucking love it so much. I'll be so fucking uh, Not not Skyline Chili. I do not love Skyline Chili. It is death. Ugh. Oh man. It it'll be an interesting battle from here on out. Again, the Reds, I think, have the easier rest of their schedule based on uh, nothing on absolutely nothing but my perception of them. I but I actually also believe that I saw a strength of schedule for them for the rest of the season and it is significantly easier than the Padres, which would also just intuitively make sense. The Padres play more good teams than the Reds will play because of their division. So I think I saw that same like chart and the Padres have a stupid, difficult schedule. I think they have like one of the most difficult strength of schedules for the remainder of the season. Like I'm a fan. I'm going to root for them. I believe they have the talent to turn it around at this point. I do not think they make the playoffs. I really don't. And you know, we'll, we'll see, you know, the, the Reds are obviously red hot when it comes to, huh? That was a little joke there. I didn't mean I'm making with their batting. And obviously that can cool off at any moment. Um, their pitching has been solid, but not lights out, you know, just under a four year raise is, is good, but it, it's nothing ridiculous. So things could change like the, on a dime for both teams, but it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how they battle out this war of attrition here to close out the season. Like the Padres are playing the Dodgers tonight. Walker Bueller's on the mound and the Padres lineup is Trent Grisham, Fernando Tatis, Manny Machado, Jay Cronenworth, Austin Nola, Eric Hosmer, Will Myers, Adam Frazier, and Blake Snell. That is a studded lineup. That is one of the best hitting lineups you're going to find in all of baseball. It is so incredibly deep. The guy leading all of MLB in hits is our eight hitter. But our pitching is so awful that there's almost no hope and you know that's part of what i think you know leaves this up to so much flux is that the padres pitching just needs to not suck a little bit less and they will win more a lot more a lot more games like their batting is so there and honestly their bullpen has been not awful it's really been the starters and if they could just not suck for a little bit, I mean, they, they'd they have a chance at, at, you know, moving past the Reds because, again, it'd be very, very easy to argue that the Reds can't hold us up forever. But 
they got a they got a tough road ahead of them with that fucking schedule. They so do. I was curious. Uh, Padres reliever ERA for the month of August. Give me a guess. Three five. I had to resort my list. Four point one. That is nineteenth in baseball. It's not good. It's not. It's not what you want. I'm what? thinking about the Padres starter ERA, and I'm like, oh wow, four one is excellent. That's great stuff. Really what do you tough. think? What do you think the Padres starters ERA is for the month of uh, August? Over five. You'd be right. Do you have an, uh, an official guess? Five point three five. Five point six seven. 25th in baseball. How are there five teams, four teams worse, five, five teams. teams worse. So one of those teams is the Rays. And it's tough to quantify what a starter is for the Rays because the Rays often use, you know, openers. So obviously that 5.77 for the Rays is still really fucking bad, but you know, you look mm-hmm. at it and you go, well, how many of those are like real starters? Uh, but after that, it's Miami. The 6.14 ERA for their starters, Minnesota, a 6.46 ERA for their starters, Chicago Cubs, a 7.05 ERA for their starters, and the Baltimore Orioles with a 8.44 ERA for their starters, which means that their Baltimore relievers are actually carrying most of the fucking weight, which is hilarious. And the Baltimore relievers ERA is (laughs) 7.73. Imagine posting a bullpen ERA of 7.73 and not being the worst. Still, you can look at the starters and be like, I mean, yeah, we let up nine runs, but they let up 10. Those fucking jackasses. God damn. Baltimore. What the fuck? It's awful. Baseball is too hard, man. Too hard. All right. Let, let's let's bang through. Um one topic super quick and then we'll, we'll close on uh actually no reverse to the order to not end on a downer. Uh, so there has been, because of course baseball can never be fun. It always must remind you that it, uh, whatever real life problem you could possibly imagine encountering, it also exists in the world of baseball and it is more devastating because there is no reason it needs to exist in the world of baseball and baseball chooses to let it exist. And, or some shitty actor within the world of baseball, make sure it exists. And yesterday, or two days ago, as of recording this, August 23rd, ESPN released a story saying that prosecutors say that former Los Angeles Angels employee Eric Kay asked drug suppliers to deliver opioids to the stadium. And if anyone recalls, Tyler Skaggs, a Angels pitcher, died of an opioid overdose on July 1st of 2019. So right in the middle of the season. And at the time there was a lot of uncertainty as to what exactly happened. You have an otherwise healthy guy. He's literally an athlete, young dude, just randomly passing away in the middle of the season. And I believe uh, I'm winging this a little bit, which, you know, I'm sorry if I got some details wrong, but I believe at the time there was the original concern was possibly a heart condition. And then it came out later that it was actually, Drugs, and then it became the question of how did this guy get drugs um, on an away trip, nonetheless. And there was a lot of speculation and finger pointing that it might be from within the organization, and this basically, you know, confirms that and says that 
essentially there was a, a middleman between Los Angeles Angels players and uh, some type of, of drug ring that could hook them up with uh, apparently oxycodone suppliers. Um, actually, I, I think that's the only one that I see. Yeah, oxycodone. So it's dark. It's, I, I don't think it's hardly surprising once you learn that someone passed away from drugs, that there's somebody supplying him with that. And obviously in something as high profile as the world of athletics, usually there are middlemen involved in that because even if you wanted to handle all that shit yourself, it's, you just don't have the time. Even you baseball players are very rigorous schedule. So the idea that there was a middleman there, not shocking, but still very, a, a shit reminder of a very dark time, a very dark, uh, event in recent baseball memory. Uh, I don't know. Have you have you spent any time with with this reporting? Not since the initial news came out um, that it was a fentanyl caused death. Um, I did see that there was more that had come out about one of you know the staff members who was involved with this and was basically providing this for players and and being that you know supplier for them and it's i mean it's tough like i what's a constructive thing i could even say could either of us even say like we could talk about the details we could give you the news but at the end of the day like what can we say to constructively add to this conversation hey don't do drugs yeah, no kidding. Like, don't do hard drugs. Like, stick to weed like everybody else and you'll be fine. Um, it's just... You know, the- I, I just finished reading CeCe's, Sabathia's book. And obviously he spends a, a good amount of time in the book talking about uh, his alcoholism. And, you know, even early in the book before he even really gets into... His playing career, when he's still talking about a kid, he talks about things that would eventually lead to his alcoholism or how he would react to certain parts of his past after he had gone through rehab, stuff like that. And he also makes mention at various points that he is absolutely not the only guy that had problems with alcohol and drugs when he was in the majors. And one of the reasons it's not talked about much is because it can be an uncomfortable conversation between teammates, especially if you don't know the guys very well. And if a guy's playing well, you don't want to necessarily stop him like that. And mental health can be stigmatized. And I, you know, this is something I I'm sure we must've talked about when this had originally happened because the podcast was a thing at that point. But I, I, I think, you know, in, in being an athlete, not only are there all those stressors, but there's also a power dynamic in play that can make it tough for people to want to say no to you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, C.C. Sabathia talks a little bit about that in, in his book and not so much direct words. But, you know, if there's someone whose job is to hook you up with stuff where you go to that guy and be like, look, I got to go to a uh, photo shoot. Can you run out and get me food? Um, can you hook up a ride for my girlfriend to come over to the hotel? Can you do this? Can you do that? And you start telling that guy, can you go get me drugs? It might put that guy in a position where he feels like he can't say no because 
look at you, Mr. Mr. Main professional athlete. And that's not to make you feel bad by any means. It, it's, it's, I think there's a level of understanding that needs to occur with sometimes being the guy to say no to somebody and talking them out of them can be very fucking hard. And it gets harder when those people get higher up in the, in the social ladder. And that's why it's important that these people have less of a stigma around mental health so that it's easier for other people to call people out on that. Because if you're not comfortable talking about addiction and the environment is not conducive towards talking about addiction and mental health, then whatever power dynamics are at play there are only going to make that conversation never fucking happen. Whereas if there's more of a conversation around and, and there's more of an openness around someone being like, are you good? This seems like a bad idea. Why don't we get beer instead? Or why don't we not do any substances tonight at all? Let's go clean tonight. Some shit like that. A lot. Do you feel comfortable if I talk, if I bring in one of the teammates, a couple of the other teammates, shit like that, that could be constructive. It could, it could really lead to, to some progress, but you know, the combination of the macho-ness of sports kind of in general and the power dynamics that come into play when you're trying to ask someone to hook you up with something illegal and bad for you. I mean, it's, it's a tricky, tricky thing to have to navigate and, I mean, it's awful because the life was on the line here. You know, Tyler Skaggs is never going to come back to go to rehab like some other people who have gone through similar things will get the ability to do. But at least there's something to be learned here. I think that's really all we could say about it. Yeah, um, it's you're spot on with that where we don't really know the full details. We don't really have anything that we could put to this conversation that would add in you know understanding or or help or anything like that and it's a goddamn travesty and just because it happens to a you know famous baseball player doesn't make it any better or worse or more important or less important it's just it has that it has that you know um weight uh, not even wait because it's it's still a human life it's weighted the same it just has that notoriety it's but okay people talk about it like people are talking about this headline months appeal. And headline appeal there you go yeah that feels right and it's just you know it's one of those things where i don't want to value tyler skagg's life more than anyone else who's gone th- through the same thing, but it's a lot easier to kind of rally around him as a role model, as you know, the name that someone all over the country would recognize. That's really just, that's all I got to say. Down with big pharma, man. Down with big pharma. Fuck them. Yeah. Yeah. Put them motherfuckers in jail, man. Eminent domain, uh, all of Big Pharma. Yeah, why not? Yeah. All right, let's close out on a more lighthearted topic here. Sure. Yadier Molina has signed an additional contract, a, a another one-year deal. I think it was about $10 million. I'm not looking that shit up. I don't give a fuck. Um, for the 2022 season, it was debated... 
a bit seemingly within the Cardinals front office if he was going to be offered a contract to come play in 2021. He ultimately was. And I would not be surprised if part of the reason he got this final contract in the middle of the year with seemingly no real negotiation, not publicly anyway, um, was because one of the stipulations or one of the, the points that was raised by Molina and his camp is that he's also planning on retiring after the 2022 season for 19 years uh, MLB career. So he'll be retiring a Cardinal. And that always raises the question, whenever anyone who has played for such a long time and has such a marquee name is Yadi Molina, a Hall of Famer. Corwin Heller, on the surface, first reaction, gut take, is Yadier Molina and his at that point will be 19 years of MLB service, a hall of famer. I don't know how you could say otherwise. I mean, the dude has done everything you could ever ask of a hall of fame catcher. Like, yeah, you could point at his offensive numbers and say, Oh, they're not Ivan Rodriguez is, you know, like, Oh, he's not pudge or he's not um, Yogi Berra. Fuck me or any of the other, you know, superstar Hall of Fame catchers in history. But, oh, my God, everything else he's done in his career has pointed him directly towards the Hall of Fame. He's one of the best defensive catchers ever, even after being in, you know, MLB for 19 seasons, as old as he is. He's still one of the best defensive pitchers in all of baseball. I don't know how you could say otherwise. Yeah, his, uh, his resume, in case anyone wants to know, he has played in uh, 2,120 games thus far. Obviously, this season's still going, and he's got next year to boot. Uh, he has over 2,000 hits. He has 2,090 of them. Uh, he has 168 home runs. He has <laughs> he has 30, 69 stolen bases, so he needs to never steal another base again. <laughs> Lifetime slash line of 280, 331, 403. That is an OPS of 734, an OPS plus of 97. Granted, however, as we talked about way back in the original version of this podcast where we had a stats episode and non-stats episode, we talked about how catchers uh, have a, generally speaking, lower OPS. So his catcher OPS plus would very likely be higher, would very likely be over 100. Um, and he has a mass in his career, 41.9 career B war, although that number is higher if you go by um, Fangraphs war, which I don't like to go by for catchers. I think it overweights framing a little bit because it has Yadier Molina's being the greatest defensive player, not catcher, defensive baseball player of all time. And I'm not saying he isn't, but he is by a lot by that metric. Um, it doesn't, uh, I don't know. I, I think there's too much stock put into that, but regardless. Uh, now, the case for, and this is also very timely being brought up because I, I believe Foolish Baseball also just released a video on this. But generally speaking, the case for is he played catcher for one of the you know most known teams in all of baseball. He has reached some incredible milestones, like 2,000 hits. He's got nine gold gloves, two World Series rings, a silver slugger, four platinum gloves, and 10 all-star appearances. Uh, He's finished top five in MVP voting twice. He's been phenomenal. 
obviously people point to the low war as saying that there that not enough not not enough can't do it not enough war i know everything and i would argue that even if his war was lower i'd still be in favor of him being in i i think it's hard to point at a guy that has played basically 20 years of baseball and say that he's been anything other than outstanding because it's very mm-hmm. very hard to play for that long now obviously the is a little bit different once you get back into like the you know 60s through 90s because there's a lot of guys that just played 20 years because they had friends in the league and just never got kicked out i guess but yadi actually performed very well in his 20 years and obviously he's not going to pass the 60 war threshold but the problem is most catchers don't most catchers don't pass 60 war it's very, very fucking hard to pass 60 war. And it's almost impossible as a catcher when you don't play every game and, and you're not expected to do as much offensively because the defensive portion of your career or your, your skill set is just more valuable to a team than your offensive production, unless you're a guy like Piazza. And even Piazza played a decent chunk of his games at first base. So the fact that he get, isn't getting to 40 war and isn't getting to 60 war, Honestly, it doesn't mean shit. And actually, I just looked. Piazza has 59.5. Mm-hmm. So I don't even see how that fucking matters. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, I'm and, fine. Uh, Yogi Berra, 59.6. And Yogi Berra played a fuck ton of games down a catcher. He ended up moving like left field at some point during his career. It happens. Yachty never even did that. And he's still a good defensive catcher. That's fucking tough. Joe Maurer moved to first base at some point. And Yachty didn't. And there's a lot. That means a lot. And when you think to yourself, what is the Hall of Fame? Is it the Hall of statistically significant quantities of war? Or is it the Hall of, is it meant for players who are so recognizable, you could define an era by mentioning their name? And when you say Yadi Molina, everyone's going to know what point in time you're talking about. Right. That's a hell of a yard. Two decades, but you would know which two decades they're talking about. Absolutely. You say Yadi Molina, you are going to know about you're going to you're going to think. All right. So we got those Albert Pujols runs to the World Series. We got all of Adam Wainwright's career. We've got the all the years where they like ran the black magic teams where they just pulled wins out their ass and stomped over the the Braves and the Mets during some good years with those teams. I, I mean, like, like there is a period in time that Yadi Molina will own. And that seems like a guy that goes to the Hall of Fame. When you think of the best catcher over the past 10, 15 years, would you think of Yadi Arbolina or Buster Posey? Oh, shit. I hate you for asking me this. Probably Buster. Actually, I feel more and more confident about saying Buster. I'm not actually. He has it have even ta- It shouldn't have even taken me this long. It's absolutely Buster Posey. Now that I said that out yeah. loud. Yeah. It's, he just also had those offensive numbers. But as a Pirates fan, it Yadier Molina is the one that hurts me the most. So it's hard to say Buster Posey, even though that's objectively correct yeah dear molina has just he's hurt me more wow buster posey has only played in 12 seasons so that's uh, six fewer than yadi 
and he has um, more war. Yeah, not that it's like the end all be all, but that's just God. He's so good. Yeah, uh, I will say there's a lot of salty Yankees fans who don't want Yadi Molina in the Hall of Fame because of Jorge Posada being snubbed. And I will say this: I also agree with that. Um, but my point is not that Yadi should not be allowed in the Hall of Fame. It's that maybe Jorge Posada's case should have been revisited because the man has five-time All-Star, four-time World Series winner, five-time Silver Slugger, was really, really fucking good for a very long time and carried a career, a career 121 OPS plus as a fucking catcher. That shit does not fucking happen. <laughs> He has 42.7 career war, which is also still more than Yachty from the from uh, baseball reference perspective. And God damn it. Respect my man, Jorge. Sada deserves the fucking appreciation. Jorge. Hip, hip. I really like Jorge. Jorge. Jorge! <laughs> fucking Yankees, man. Fucking love Jorge. Georgie. Um. Yeah, I I also think it's a little bit. I also get some of the uh, shit on Yachty's case for the Hall of Fame because the writers are very cocky about it, and boy, do you hate seeing like John Heyman be cocky about something. God, do you hate agreeing with John Heyman? You know, and so part of it, part of that pushback to is he really though? I think might just be some people's guttural reaction to like Bob Nightingale, you know, Buster Olney. And it's like, yeah, I, I, I do get that though. <laughs> I do get not one to be like, they right. John Heyman nailed it. He never misses. <laughs> I get not wanting to be like, you know, agreeing with that guy and, or all those guys. A lot of those guys suck dick and butt. So, yeah. Um, all right. Well, there we go on that. You got anything else or before we get out of here? No. Oh, <laughs> right. Well, if you'd like to follow the show on Twitter, you could do so at Jason Pod. If you'd like to follow Corwin it. on Twitter, you can do so at Corwin Heller. And if you'd like to follow myself on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D. Tracing. Um, like to send emails to the show, you can do so at juicing the numbers at gmail.com. And until Monday, y'all have a good one. Bye.